Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show here with you every, every Monday at 8 p.m. Well, I say that. But it's not true, is it? Let's be honest. The last couple of weeks, I have uh, been absolutely swamped with um, just other stuff like working on the election, etc. Um, and so I've been um, absolutely knackered. So unfortunately, we have we have missed a couple. Um, sorry about that, folks. Uh, but we are back now for the uh, the quarterfinals knockout rugby. Um, where uh, let's be honest, um, Steve, this is where it really counts, right? Oh, come on, the whole thing's counted. It's all been amazing. <laughs> oh, the has been fantastic. It's been brilliant. It's been a marvel and a spectacle and everything glorious. Now it's just when it gets kind of to the boring part where all the good teams are playing, you know. We don't get the fun of seeing Portugal and Chile anymore. You know, that's a real excitement. Come on. Well, true, true. Portugal have been the uh, the team of the tournament. Yeah, not the best team. I get that. But um, compared to uh, their expectations, to me, a plus for Portugal compared to what we were kind of expecting from them uh, coming into this Rugby World Cup. And don't forget, folks, um, you can head over to patreon.com forward slash Sport Radio, where I graded all of the teams on the pool stage as to how well they've done compared to expectations. Um, and I've kind of, spoiler alert, Portugal came out on top. Um, <laughs> controversy. Um, controversy there. Absolutely. Evening, Simon. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, in the, the live chat, you join us in the live chat, folks, on YouTube uh, and Facebook. You can also just watch on Twitter, but you can't do live chat back on Twitter. I do think about putting this onto uh, Cornflakes uh, Twitch stream, but uh, nah, not this time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as well. Um, plus, also, I, um, all of uh, Steve's uh, fans would be um, really disappointed by this show because it's not going to go for like seven hours. Um, <laughs> I mean, just tell folks what your what your weekend of watching rugby was like this weekend. Uh, this weekend, oh, well, Sunday, Monday is pretty much my weekend now because uh, uh, that's when the World Cup's on. But th- this weekend, yeah, uh, yesterday started at about three thirty in the morning. Um, got up, uh, preparing to to start stream time at about quarter to four for the first game or the first quarter final. Uh, that stream went to probably about eleven a.m. Roughly between the two games, uh, a couple of hours. Great, great scheduling. World Rugby. You have two hours between the games. Um, yeah, two hours through there. And then a little bit of post match. You know, a little bit of a wide down after the excitement, uh, followed by um, 
then just lounging around for the day because you're half asleep and doing it again on the next day. So it's it's good fun, you know, 3.30 and then get about four hours sleep and then back at it. Wow, that's just uh, that's nuts, nuts, seven hours straight. What do you talk about for two hours between games? And that is just quite work. You see, the thing is, you, there's other people involved in the whole process, right? Uh, <laughs> you know, there's lots of conversations, man. It's like Twitch, uh, YouTube, it's going off. There's like chat just goes nuts you talk about all sorts of stuff so some stuff's on topic you know you're talking about rugby you're talking about what's happened you talk about what's coming up uh we we've dived pretty deep into the fantasy side of things as well with the world cup game that's been running on the rugby world cup website um but yeah man, when you got you know, i don't know between 40 40 to 100 people depending on what time of match or what part of the day it is conversation just blows through man on on the on the chat so you just just run with it chat with people it's cool it's just it's kind of like just hanging out and like watching the, the games with like-minded people that after probably you know a week you consider them a friend because you know them that sort of well you know and you're just hanging out and chatting with friends and talking about rugby and and uh miss it about so it's good fun there's always something to talk about no there's never a, a dull moment but uh it's crazy how you can talk for seven hours and then uh still have a voice and then do a podcast after it and then talk about <laughs> <laughs> six hours rest and then you're back doing it again just starting it all over again so it's been a busy day it's been a really busy day and i've got to agree with christopher i've lost people in the chat where you go i've got to agree with christopher here um personally he thinks the only team that deserves to win the world cup is the last undefeated team which is obviously england so yeah clearly uh england on odds on now for the rugby world cup everyone else has been beaten before so they all know we, we know they can be beaten um on uh on on, on that one the um uh, the, uh, um, I can't do, can't really read what Simon's saying there, but something about the uh, World Cup increasing to more teams, I think it is, uh, at the next World Cup. We'll see whether, how that kind of works. Um, but there've been some mixed reactions, Steve. What are your thoughts on the, um, uh, the kind of the, the scheduling of this Rugby World Cup where teams have buys, um, each week? Cause we've obviously, cause we've, we've, we've lengthened the pool stage by an extra week so that basically every team gets about the same sort of rest time it's not quite perfect but hey it's a lot better than it used to be um what do you think about this this having these sort of these bye weeks where people where teams sort of sit around and don't do anything it's i mean it depends what perspective you look from from my perspective it gives me about three days where i can actually recover my voice and and speak again uh, oh yeah no, no. Not, not, not the gaps <laughs> but the fact that you come to a weekend and four of the teams aren't playing at the weekend oh, that weekend and it's two weeks between you, you're happy I, with that or i think i think the scheduling it's it's worked good in some ways and it's bad in others. I think the problem with it is you've you've got those long delays and you've got a lot of things riding on that last sort of week and, and it, it's it's kind of delayed the whole process of the pools. But I mean, does it really matter? No, I don't have a problem with it. It's all in the end. Everyone sort of plays plays the same sort of time, the same sort of schedules, and I just think they probably need to schedule a bit more fairly. So we like like we talked about last time. We don't have Namibia finishing their four games. Um, before half the teams have played their third game sort of story as well. So uh, fair and fair alike. But it, it, it allows teams, like, we look, look, at, look at Ireland. And I think it's been their undoing and in, in, in the detriment to their side. But they've had that capability to play pretty much the same 23 or at least the same 15 throughout the whole tournament. Um, yeah. Whether that's been the good part or the bad part, but in terms of quality of rugby and them actually being able to play their best players throughout the whole tournament it's, it's worked to that advantage so and that sort of things if you want to look at quality of game it's worked well for them uh, and in that pool i think <laughs> it's that inexperience of quarterfinals right which i guess we'll talk about later and that their focus of south africa and scotland outweighing their focus of quarterfinal 
uh, number two, which probably was a bit of their undoing. But hey, uh, all their team went through. No real massive injuries, a couple wee niggles. But for a team to do that, you know, in the 20, uh, 2011 or 2015 World Cup, you know, that that's undoable. Um, and uh, Chris says, yeah, let the tier two teams have the games that spread out and make the tier one teams play midweek and they can yep. the talent handle it. Well, yes. The problem is um, that uh, the whole reason we had the tier one teams play at the weekends is that's where the biggest um, uh, TV audiences are. So, uh, yeah, it wouldn't work for TV audience, but I do like the idea. Um, uh, it's it, um, Ilili, um, Fayati, uh, Fatai, uh, sorry, mate, I'm, I'm absolutely butchering your name. Uh, it's really is hard. Sorry about that. Um, but he says, how good the whole conversation around the North Hemisphere sides, only one made it through. And it looks like uh, they'll blow out um, against the box. Oh, look, let's be blunt here. We'll get on later about how this was the best ever and the closest ever quarterfinals in any Rugby World Cup. But don't mistake yourselves that the next two games are a waste of time. They, they, we've got two blowout wins for two to, for, 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 not, for New Zealand and South Africa. Uh, we might as well, we, we could do next week's show now, um, except we wouldn't know which injuries had happened. That's the only thing that's going to, that's the only unpredictable thing about this coming weekend is injuries, basically, and who gets cards. Um, the result is a foregone conclusion, right? But um, this was a, um, a great weekend. But yeah, this idea um, that, uh, yeah, the Northern Hemisphere sides are the strong sides, um, Ireland, France, one and two in the world. But we also um, had uh, kind of the, uh, the, up, the uprising of Fiji, of um, potentially Samoa also getting through um a lot of those uh, a lot of those storylines um all those kind of exciting storylines in all honesty because they're different to previous world cups are all pretty much dead now i mean <laughs> the, the idea that hey fiji we could we could have had a fiji samoa third fourth playoff at one point um and that was uh, that that was um hey, it wasn't a probability but it was a possibility um and uh and, and not a totally outlandish one either um but to have now got to essentially New Zealand, South Africa, England uh, and Argentina as the semi-finalists, it's like, wow, we've seen that once or twice before, haven't we, Steve? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've been talking about this uh, upcoming weekend a bit already this uh, today. Uh, the All Blacks kind of got, I think they got the better of the options out, out of the two of them, right? Because like you say, they played Argentina so much. We play them every year, a number of times. I think we know what we're prepared for. I think the challenge in these games coming up this weekend is for the All Blacks to try and replicate what they've done and, and keep at that level and prove that it wasn't just a, an Ireland's completely focused Rugby World Cup for them, that they're actually still moving off there. I think maybe not going straight into South Africa in a semi-final is probably helping. They have a bit of a... I don't want to say easy game, but a bit more of a game that they're actually but prepared for. In terms oh, I'll of say decision. bloody easy game. These these next two games are, are, okay, are so one-sided. It's okay, unreal. Wales. What are you talking Sorry? about? Well, Wales. Wales are overwhelming favourites to beat um, beat Argentina. Oh, no, 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 sorry, 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 I thought I meant semi-finals. Semi-finals yes, are... That's what I'm saying. It's like you, you can't yeah. predict on that because they were massive favourites. I mean, let's be honest, England almost what? lost that game. Wales were massive favourites to win that game. On yesterday, huge favourites. England were an outstanding. That literally was a write-off that Fiji game for for most people for against England. Um, the only two quarterfinals anyone really thought was going to be close were obviously the, the big big two. I've only seen enough upsets. I I wouldn't be going into that game with, with anything. No, no, but, I'm, but I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. All, for the Argentinians, for sure. All four of the final the same quarterfinals were all close and could have gone either way. Um, and, that, and and I knew that beforehand that. 
neither England nor Wales came into the Rugby World Cup um, with the guarantee of even getting out their groups. The fact that the, there is no way either of those two sides were going to be odds-on favourites at uh, or, or should have been odds-on favourites come a quarter-final. They were lucky to be there. I mean, let's be honest. They, they, they it was a miracle. It was the, the coach and a miraculous work to get them there in the first place. Um, to be honest, so no, that, that, that this all four quarter-finals were in the balance heading into the heading into the weekend. It's calling Wales overwhelming favourites against did, Argentina. Did, did you watch? Did you watch Argentina play any games of the World Cup? Like, did you watch any full Argentinian match? Because they've well, been dog awful. They have been well, so, dog yeah, but, awful. But, 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 but did you see Wales in the run up to this? You see Wales in Six Nations. No, no that, that's that's gone. Also, that's, 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 I'm talking about the last four weeks, man. Last four weeks, Wales have been the best performing team out of that pool by far. Don't don't, don't look at pre World Cup. Wales have outperformed Australia. Uh, they've outperformed Fiji. They've outperformed everyone. And Argentina have looked garbage. Absolute trash. Complete trash. Look, they, they struggled to beat everyone in their pool. Their best game was probably like a 30-minute period against Argentina where they actually looked a little bit like Argentina we know. They were trash against England. Absolute trash. Literally, an NPC team would have beaten them the way that they played against England. And then their easier group games as well. They were, they were terrible. They struggled to score points. Their attack has been dead. Uh, defensively, they've been just uninterested. They look like... Argentina that just they want to go home they, they've looked terrible that today's yesterday's yesterday yeah yesterday's game was the first time they've actually yeah. looked like they had intent and Wales has, has beaten all comers Argentina and England both got through with penalty goals at the end of the day and that's and that's how England beat Argentina in the first place Argentina just going yeah. back to how they played in 2007 when they came third in the World Cup um it, yeah, this came down to came down to kicks and stuff. They weren't great. They weren't great flowing teams either. They just defend stoically, kick over your points. Um, very a bit old fashioned kind of style rugby, if you want. But um, yeah, no, I, I I I don't think Wales were were were. were whilst I Wales were eighty three percent um eighty three percent chance of winning that game. Eighty eighty three percent favoured to win that game. Uh, England were eighty five. Yeah, and look, I, I predict both Wales and England to win their games. I also predict that Ireland and France win their games as well. It shows you, I don't know my arse from my elbow. Um, but um, the um, but I, 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 I but all of them I thought would be within a score. Now, I didn't think any of these games were going to be blowouts, um, and uh, and and that's what we uh, and that's what we saw um, in 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 the end um, with uh, with this one. Um, the um, yeah, Chris, uh, yeah, sort of, sort of got some stuff going on in the chat about uh, uh, about the schedule and stuff and how they're enjoying this 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 one. Um, the um, so should we actually do you want to talk about the game? Actually, I'm going to bring up my my, my graph first. I've done a graph. I've done some preparation, um, which is kind of like wow. Paul's actually doesn't work for the change. Um, and so here we have it. I've looked back across the last uh, across all the Rugby World Cups, all ten of them, um, and I've put in the scores. I've put in the winning margins of all the uh, quarterfinals. Um, this is only the second time in history that the average uh, difference between teams uh, across, across all four games was less than a score. Uh, 5.75 was the average uh, winning margin, uh, and that's the lowest winning margin ever. So that's why. So yeah, that's that's why I reckon this is this has been the the best quarterfinals. Um, and yes, it's come about because of a of a screwy. Um, no pools where you had all the five best teams in two pools, um, <laughs> but um, but that has meant that um, uh, all th yeah three out of the five three out of the four games the weekend were won by a score. 
Um, spoiler alert, anyone who hasn't actually watched them yet. Um, and um, <laughs> uh, and only 20% of, um, of all of the quarterfinals have ever been uh, won by a score. I've been that close. So um, normally you get some big blowouts. Um, the biggest one um, you'll see there it was, was, was a 49-point win um, that's back in 2015 where New Zealand absolutely thumped France. Um, but every single year, um, you're seeing, I mean, you're seeing multiple games. Uh, most of the games are won by a, a comfortable wins um, at the quarterfinal stage. So fantastic quarterfinals, uh, shitty cups, shitty semifinals coming up. Um, but um, but that one um, there um, for that. Um, Paul, did you adjust for the increase in the number of points for a try? No, I didn't. Um, I didn't adjust for that. But still, you go back to. Um, 1991 was uh, was 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 a 12 average average was 12 point gap, which is two scores. Um, 1987 the average was an 18 point gap, which would have been three scores back in the day. So it still is three scores. Um, so um, that didn't really make make much difference. Um, I know I'm just you haven't seen this before, um, but um, anything there that uh, kind of catches your eye? I think that's interesting. Uh, I don't remember 2007 that well, but it looked quite quite like a good World Cup, didn't it? <laughs> Jeez, I don't remember too bad. I, I struggled to remember last week at this rate. Oh, uh, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's the closest of the tournament, right? It's it's how much better the teams have got. Um, and although although we, we give stick to the way that the teams were drawn, it's kind of worked out right that we get similarities through the quarterfinals as opposed to lopsidedness in, in quarterfinals. So it's worked in the favour of an entertaining tournament, but... Average point, 20 points. Yeah, a lot of big scores. Quarterfinals have kind of been a write-off for a long, long time, haven't they? And I guess when you've had that big gap to teams like you think Scotland's generally a quarterfinalist team, aren't they? And they've always been, you know, average. But when it comes up against a big side, uh, they're garbage. And I guess that's the thing with the 1v2. Before, you were getting ones are always at the top. And then your Scotland's and you know, Argentina's, all that, they were, they were trash, really trash back then. Clear differences you get that straightaway lopsided score, which you're not getting anymore because you're getting, you know, South Africa, Ireland, New Zealand, France, all could be one or two uh, straight away. So it's, it's, it's definitely even things up, I think, with the competitiveness of the tournament. Yeah, um, South Africa and North Hemisphere team now, no, they're not. They just happen to throw a Southern Hemisphere team because they play in the rugby championship, but they still do. Um, and in reality, when we say Europe, when we say Northern Hemisphere, what we actually mean is Six Nations. We don't actually mean Northern Hemisphere. Because Japan's in the Northern Hemisphere, so is the USA, so is Canada. We don't consider them to be Northern Hemisphere teams, really. Mm. Um, so, um, so yeah, what we really mean is Six Nations, in all honesty. <laughs> Chris Obey, yeah, everyone said England had the easiest group, but in retrospect, was, wasn't Group C trash? Um, yes. <laughs> um, group D is the only team with two, two, two teams left. The only pool, sorry, with two teams left. Exactly. Best, best pool, the strongest <laughs> pool in the tournament. <laughs> Oh dear! Twist what it for that prerogative, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, so so yeah, so look, folks, this is it's 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 weird. Yeah, um, the, the the pool, the the we've the kind of the way the pools have been done, the tiers of stuff has been talked about to death, uh, and it will be talked about to death as well in the next week because of how lopsided the semi-finals are. But it did mean great quarterfinals um, for us um, this uh, this weekend. Um, so I just wanted to point that out before we get into um, the games themselves. So, um, 
It, I, know, I know you can't figure out which day it is today and whether it was yesterday or two weeks ago that uh, the Wales played Argentina. Um, but um, uh, a game that uh, uh, basically Argentina kept themselves in um, through, um, uh, through, 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 through kicking their points. Um, and Wales, look, lost too many lineouts. Their, their set piece felt didn't give them the platform they wanted. They gave up too many penalties. Um, is it as simple as that, that uh, the, whale, the Wales just couldn't get the set-piece working and the discipline? Uh, I, I think a lot of it has to do with how Argentina played their game as well. Because a lot of us talked about, they've been so patchy this World Cup. Um, I, I think Wales came out of the gates pretty well. And they did what they've kind of done all tournament. But the second half, they just lost their way. Um, I thought the use of substitutes were probably a bit questionable in that second half as well, which allowed... Uh, the increased invasion, if you will, of the of the Pumas to kind of encroach more on the game and instead of leaving the experience out there to try and fight back or wrestle back their centre, they kind of made the changes thinking that the fresh legs would do it, but the lack of experience kind of gave the opposite effect uh, for the Welsh. So I think that cost them a little bit, but I think a common trend throughout all of these four games is that word of experience. Everything you talk about and all key moments you talk about in these four games, those pivotal moments are always coming down to experience and the team with the experience and the players that have been there or have been in situations before. And the first one there, who got that try? A guy that can read the game, a guy that's been around for what feels like forever. I don't know how he's not 300 years ago, uh, 300 years old. Nicholas Sanchez, <laughs> reading the play so well. And killing that game off right at the end when the Welsh were starting to build up towards towards the end of the game. So, yeah, kicking goals, something Meliano Buffelli's not being horrifically fantastic at. He was great yesterday. Um, and just staying in the fight, which is just something they've kind of got flustered by. I noticed watching the games throughout the pool stage, Argentina's kind of forced the issue with kicks to the corner to try and score the tries a lot rather than just accumulate points it was good to see them actually settle it down and say well we can take three and it, we're still not back in the game but we can slowly build our way back and they were down what uh, was it 10 nil or 13 nil um there was a try and i think a, a bigger penalty i think it must be 10 nil and they just built their way back through penalties to lead 12 10. so normally and through pool stage the pumas were kicking to corner at nil at 10 nil and then stuffing it up and then bang you've lost your chance so it was good to see them actually have the confidence in their abilities and, and to take the kicks and to build a score rather than try and force the uh, the prerogative, which has kind of cost them, I think, throughout the pool stage. Yeah, I mean, look, one minute to half time, or one and a half minutes to half time, and Wales are 10 0 up. All right. Um, and then two penalties, one a minute before half time. So just enough time for a kickoff. And then play went on for another two minutes. Uh, they kept kept the ball in, kept kept the ball in play. Eventually worked another penalty, and suddenly, um, at 38 minutes, it's 10 nil at half time. It's suddenly 10 six, and, and and suddenly Wales that 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 two score lead suddenly is down to just a score lead, um, and the um, momentum against them. Then in the second half, um, you've got Kieran uh, um, uh, Dwyer, I think it was the winger, uh, makes a great break. Um, he's got uh, one player on one side, two players on the other side, and like three defenders and two like two defenders in front of him, and he somehow manages to not pass the ball, thinking he can dummy and go all the way himself, 
Um, and uh, yeah, simply, yeah, Kieran Dwyer miss not not passing that ball, not making, not Wales not finishing that move off, and then throwing an intercept, and it's all over. Um, Wales lost this one, I think, rather than Argentina won it by yeah, the um, not closing out that, not finishing the first half, and then Kieran Dwyer not finishing that that that, that move, and then throwing an interception. Bang, it's over. They're going home. Look, coming into the Rugby World Cup, it was like, well, look, Fiji, uh, sorry, Australia and Fiji are the, the favourites to come out of this. Could Georgia even tip over Wales? Could we see Wales have to qualify for the next Rugby World Cup? Now we no, they've but but they've actually you've got to say that um, yeah, Gatlin's done a great job um, with this team to get them here. I say a couple of moments and they could be in the semi-finals playing for a third, fourth playoff. Um, and as I say, coming to this, we were kind of, yeah, they're not getting out their pool. It <laughs> um, uh, was, was kind of the thing about how, uh, how South Africa thrashed them um, just before this Rugby World Cup. Uh, and so I think they've, come, they've, 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 had a, they've had a great Rugby World Cup from, from where they were. Uh, and yeah, just got a bit lucky on the day. Yeah, I, I don't, I, after this tournament, I read absolutely nothing into anything pre-World Cup. Absolutely <laughs> nothing. If, if it's taught me anything, it's that pre-World Cup, two, three, four, five, six weeks for the World Cup, absolutely just wash it away. It means simply nothing. It's fitness, it's warm-up, it's a little bit of preparation, it's learning, in Tonga's case, your teammate's name. Um, it just <laughs> means very, very little. because I just find teams, it's such a professional sport now, obviously, but it, it, it develops in that way that everyone's got that secret game plan. And for teams that obviously don't have a, a deep run planned, that starts at the group stage. So you're not going to be dishing out your Super World Cup plan uh, pre the game. You're going to be hiding most of it. You're going to be going there. You're going to be learning. Uh, you're going to be just getting combinations and things like that. So I, I really struggle. I think pre, pre-tournament form was just so contrastly different uh, to the tournament. But for Wales, yeah, changes, taking Dan Bigger off, why? I don't know, if you had Anscombe on the bench, okay, because Anscombe's a solid enough player, but bringing poor on Sam Costello on it, <laughs> uh, he's looked all right. But boy, uh, a big pressure cooker moment like that, um, and you, you might as well have just put the ball on the ground and, and let old Nicholas run away with it, because it was almost the way it popped up for him. You see in the slow-mo replay, it's just he's running, looking, and he just goes, you know, his eyes just light up. Like, Good <laughs> God, it's right there, and he's gone. Um, and the old legs, you know, trundled on a good 40 metres. He had to really put the pressure on there. But yeah, uh, again, key moments, uh, experience or, or lack of experience uh, costing. But yeah, and they, they got some good talent though. It was exciting to see Wales, exciting to see guys, the Reece Samet really, I think, come on really, really well. Uh, extreme pace, he's really skillful. But again, lack of experience, kicked away a lot of half-line breaks where you get him behind the initial line and just get a little chip kick. And it just it just dies. It's cover defense cleans it up. Um, whereas if he maybe just tried to hold up play, keep it inside, maybe step back towards the support, keep the ball alive, and, and recycle that, it could have been more chances for the Welsh. Just things like that, you know, that they they can certainly grow on. But again, you look at Wales written off completely. Uh, now you look at them and say, you know, there's there's a bit of a future there. There's a few guys coming through. Oh, yeah, they can certainly in the next, you know, four-year cycle. Uh, again, we look at guys like that in there. Jack Morgan, oh, fantastic player. Uh, he's going to be a superstar, man. He is phenomenal. 
Uh, there's a number of them uh, for the Welsh. So yeah, it's, it's that new cycles and it's a new breed coming through. Um, so it's going to be tough, you know. Six Nations is still going to be very, very tough opponents in there for them. But uh, I think I think they're sitting in a good stead. Yeah, I look at it, and with players like Sam Costello, you can see where the future is. Um, whereas some other teams, um, like when Johnny Sexton's gone, where, um, yes. yeah, the, the future for Ireland, not, not perhaps, yeah, perhaps looking a little more hazy rather than, um, I'm not saying necessarily looking bad or what, but just, just not clear. Whereas I think you can see with the fact that you've got Tipperick and, um, Alwyn Jones disappeared pre rugby World Cup, you can see what the future is for Wales. Mm-hmm. They've got a head coach in there who, um, knows the system, seems to work well with them. Sure, look, had a few issues at the Chiefs when he came back um, and it didn't quite work out for him. Look, initially it was great for him at the, with, um, with the Chiefs and then uh, a lot of the, the players noticed, hey, he's off to the off to the Lions. He started thinking about the Lions now. Now, if he hadn't had that, maybe he'd still be at the Chiefs and maybe things would be a bit, a bit different. But um, look, I think it's, yeah, um, all looking good and rosy, I think. Uh, looking, looking, well, not looking rosy, but things... You can see the lights at the, t- at the end of the tunnel for, for, for Wales. You can see where uh, you, you can see a future. Um, not so much for Australia, maybe, but um, but for Wales, you can, uh, which it's, is good. Speaking of Australia and kind of on this match, uh, how smug do you think um, Michael Checker is right now? Right, he, he must oh, be yeah. just <laughs> <laughs> he must just sitting in his hotel going, oh man, I, I'm amazing, I'm amazing. He must be loving life. <laughs> well, yes, I that and. Um, and look, let's be honest. You never like to see your own country lose, so he's not going to be that happy about that. But, uh, but yeah, you got to say, uh, Checker. Oh, the, the guy who's supposed to only be good at some uh, emotional stuff. Oh no, look, he's he's a he's a damn good coach. Um, at the end of the day, mercenary. He, he's um, he's a new <laughs> day, Meaty um, Jones. He, he's he, that's what he is. In, in ten years' time, we're going to be talking. Uh, uh, Michael Checker's going to be doing secret phone calls. Uh, over over Zoom or something with Japanese with Japanese Union uh, to sneak away from the Wallabies again. <laughs> so you don't you don't, you don't think you don't, you you don't like the you you're not in on the rumor that um uh that, yeah that Eddie Jones is um will get he's going to get replaced by Ian Foster at the uh, um, at the Wallabies. It's going to be the tag team with uh, Foster and uh, Hanson. Hanson's Hanson's already had a stab, so maybe he liked it. He's going to recruit uh, Fozzy with him as well, yeah, and off goes he. Uh, that, you know that whole rumor thing going completely off track quickly i i feel sorry and i'm worried about japan because what are they getting here if, if this does go through with this whole eddie jones thing it's funny and it's still out at australia and it's like <laughs> dumb wallabies you know um but i'm not gonna go i don't i don't i don't want them near japan because japan's in a, a tentative sort of spot where they could they could push on and they could fall away uh and they need someone who's gonna help push them on um i, I don't know if eddie jones is that guy yeah, it just it just worries me about japan's future I think we'll see Dave Rennie um, at uh, in Japan as the head coach. Japan. I'm fine with that. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, boy, boy, doesn't doesn't Dave doesn't um, Rennie's kind of uh, uh, stock get higher and higher the, the longer he's away from being, the longer he's not working for the all of, for Australia. Um, anyway, after that we had um, France versus Africa. Now I watched this on someone's phone at um, Nazi Market, where I was, had, had a market stall um, selling my selling. Sorry? Was last. <laughs> oh, sorry, uh, New Zealand. Sorry, uh, you have. You're quite right. I'm. I'm, I'm totally. Uh, there's me talking to At you about. Don't want to do not them in order. We could, we, could, we, could, we could chop and change. No, no. There's me talking to you about not knowing which day it is, and then there's me. Yeah, I'm. I'm still in a situation. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, so yes. Um, 
Island in New Zealand. That's right. That's the game we watched on a, on a lap on 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 a, on, a, on a phone at, um, at Nartia Market. Jeez. Um, so I didn't get to see um, Aaron Smith's uh, yellow card, but um, but I did get to see um, the, uh, the, the 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 second half. And um, so, what's your position on Fozzie at the moment? Uh, really good coach. Or was he, um, or, or, or he's been a mastermind these last three years, getting things lined up for this Rugby World Cup, or, um, or are we, uh, or, or is he just uh, just got lucky kind of thing, and the players have taken over, and actually it's all, or it's the, uh, it's, it's the fact that he's got some decent um, assistant coaches now. I think the assistant coaches have made a difference to the whole setup, um, but I was never a hater, but I was never a lover. I was a hesitant bystander. Uh, I was I was a fence sitter because I don't I don't want to judge. I mean, what's he done wrong? That's why I look at it. It's like, okay, he's he's got some bad records with the Irish series loss and the Argentinian loss, and you know everyone's jumping on it. Oh, he's going to be the you know the first World Cup loss in a pool stage. He's going to be the first one to get knocked out in a group. So I mean, come on, don't be silly now. But you look at his accomplishments. He's won a lot of trophies. You know they've done really really well. And and now you look at it and it's like. Clearly, he's had a plan. You know, I, I just I just fail to see how an elite-level coach like that wouldn't have a plan going to a major tournament, the major tournament, the only major tournament um, like that. Uh, it, it just makes you wonder what they were doing. You know, when we watched those games, where Bowden Barrett was just kicking it straight down people's throat like they'll fish. And, you know, just the weird sort of stuff. Was they experimental? Were they trialing how reaction will be? I don't know. I, I'm not a rugby coach, so... I'm still tentative. I'll bring home the bring home Bill, um, Ian, and we'll, we'll talk then. But I don't think I'll ever call him a, a genius mastermind. Um, but I certainly think that the effects of of, of uh, Ryan and, and Smith have certainly uh, changed that whole setup. The, the forwards, especially uh, Ryan, with those forwards ha- has been uh, revolutionary. Um, Smith, I just think, is has tactically improved uh, the way the backs sort of work with with their coping. Uh, with defences at them and their defensive work back the other way. So he's kind of brought them, I think, up to speed. I think the All Blacks were lacking a little bit in that regard. But um, overall, they're a unit, right? So I'll go, yeah, I'm, I'm still sitting on the fence saying, uh, yeah, good, good, uh, bring back the trophy and we'll talk again. Yeah, Charlie says, Cornflake, when a country wins a series win in New Zealand, that's a no-go. Come on. <laughs> I mean, what what series win? Uh, uh, bring, you, bring back the tr- you bring back the World Cup. Who gives a crap about a series win? I mean, you, you want to win everything, right? You want to win everything. What, what are you going to take? Are you, you going to take back that that two two game wins in that series for for uh, a World Cup? I mean, I don't. I think any player will do that, um, or any fan generally will do that. You want you want on the pinnacle. I think the ability they've had to actually execute a, 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 a fantastic game plan against Ireland. I mean, I don't care who you are. That game was. Just an, it blew away South Africa and France for me. Uh, they, they were still very wasteful, and we'll talk about him later. But the, the way that the All Blacks played, um, they out Ireland, Ireland, which is, I think, pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, there's um, the I think what, what one of the stats that, that, that came up was uh, was average points uh, for visits to the um, uh, to the twenty two, which was one point five for Ireland, three point seven for New Zealand. Um, one of the stats that we've that um, I remember Asher and I back in the day would 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 would, would say what well, isn't necessarily a good stat is um, percentage possession because 
if you're spending 36 phases to score, you're going to have lots of possession. If you spend two phases to score, then, hey, you don't need lots of possession to score. Um, and it's the score is the stat that matters, um, not the um, uh, not how long you've got the ball for. Um, so um, that, that clinical nature of getting the points when you're in um, the um, uh, when, when you're in the 22 is is is, is a big one. Um, the um, not so much Timberline figures come good with Kane and defence coach McLeod. Uh, look, yeah, I think Kane is showing why um, he's been put as captain and why uh, other coaches have uh, rated him really highly. Um, but I think one of the the key linchpins to this side is actually the six, uh, and he's having a six that gets you over the gain line. Uh, and that's uh, that Frizzell is about the only player in New Zealand that's been able to do that. Now, I don't know if Blackadder could, uh, but um, to me, that uh, that hard running six has been something that, um, uh, that that New Zealand has missed. But also, you can see the players were the, the, now whether they're playing for the coach, whether they're playing for themselves, whether they're playing for New Zealand, who cares? But they were up. Fozzie had got them up for this game. Now, whether he'd got them up for this game or someone else got them up for this game, I don't know. But players like Ari Surveyor play some of the best games I've ever played. Um, and, uh, and and with players like him, with players like Kane, kind of two natural leaders in that uh, in that pack, leading from the front foot, they, the other players are going to go with them. Um, so, yes, um, really uh, cracking uh, sort of planning, or whatever it is to say, to peak at the right time. Um, which is what they've managed to do. There's a whole bunch of talk of, oh dear, New Zealand's not played a decent game in like a month. Will they be rusty come to this one? Which has been kind of the argument at some of the Rugby World Cups at the end. Oh, oh dear, they've, they've, they've not actually battle-hardened. No, but if you've watched their last two games in the pool, they were clinical as hell. Right. Now, to put nearly 100 points on the team, you have to be clinical. It doesn't matter how good the team is because you've only got so much time to play in. Yeah. Um, the uh, and I think New Zealand showed that actually, if they can get front football, they are the most clinical attacking team here. The problem they've had over the last three four years is getting that against top teams, is be able to win that, get that front football, get that time to attack, rather than having a forward in their face under this rush defence uh, and just not and having slow ruck ball and just not having time. Um, so that's to me is the is, is the big thing. Um, I just ranted off in a different direction I was going to go in. Uh, I'll hand over to you for a bit. <laughs> um, okay, we're discussing the game, right? Um, yep. The big thing, big thing about me that I thought about this game was, <clears throat> again, experience. And yep. the All Blacks are clearly pivoting their game plan towards this point. Whereas I think a big thing, and I said this in the start of the World Cup about the mental aspect of this stage of the tournament for Ireland. And that's why I was always hesitant about picking them to go late into it or possibly even win the tournament because they just haven't had the experience of going to these sort of positions before. Coaching-wise, player-wise, staff-wise. Sure, but, but, but player-wise, they've had experience of, say, winning a series in New Zealand. They've had experience of Lions or wins. You that's don't think that's the key? No, it's a one-off game. It's one off cutthroat, 80 minutes, do, you're done, you're done, you're, that's it. But they, I mean, they got smoked. That opening game of that series in New Zealand, they got smashed. What they do? They went away, studied that, prepared, and moved on. Same team, same opposition, same prospect, same everything. They learned. So, okay, so there was a three-match quarterfinal. Yeah, Ireland probably would be going through 2-1 sort of thing. But I just think in a one-off game, 
the All Blacks had that ability to go to a different place because they know how many players, nine or ten players from the last World Cup against England, they know that they've got to go. Um, that own team was fantastic, but I don't think they really deviated throughout that whole tournament as to how they really played their game. Uh, pretty much same sort of style, same sort of way, and it worked. I mean, no question about it, but that was a cool final. And we, we criticized the All Blacks for this so much. Where's the plan B? <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other option. We always criticise the All Blacks for that. And I, I don't know, the game was close enough. You probably can't say that Ireland should have gone to a plan B. But uh, throughout that, it's just that experience and that leadership of players um, that just they didn't really have on their side. And, and, and doubling with that, I, I, I really just like the way Sexton played. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. He's a game. Boy, boy, I'm glad I don't have to watch him anymore. Uh, he, he's, he's literally Bowden Barrett. He's the reason why I don't like Bowden Barrett at 10. Because watching that game, <clears throat> their attack's flat. Outside him does all the work. He literally passes, shuffles, and shovels. And that's all he does. He didn't even do his little wraparound. I bet they scored that try against, um, against Scotland where he does a little wraparound R key or ring rows and, and comes back to create the overlap. We see nothing from him um, in that game, which I was just really disappointed by uh I, I i kind of like a team who can actually take on the line and be an extra extra backline player and then a guy that you kind of sit off because he just shuffles shuffles ball along but that, that, that's been critical of all the way i don't play but um they're they all fantastic right and, and the key to them is their pack and the way they play their ferocity their, their physicality um and the all blacks match that defensively yeah that's now that's that, that that's me i think and, and this rem, this sort of again reminds me a bit of the lions tour um, where uh, the second test, where um, Kieran Reid said, "Yeah, um, we we wanted to re we wanted to reassert the uh, New Zealand forwards. We're going to play set. We're going to play narrow, and we're going to show the forwards can do it." In this game, again, New Zealand played a bit more direct. They um, only had three turnovers to uh, to 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 Ireland's eleven. Three. Are you, that's a crazy small number. The, the, the All Blacks didn't knock on once, or at least they ne- didn't give up one try. Sorry, what one um, one scrum? Ireland never had to put in a scrum. Now I I can't remember the last time I've seen a, ga- a game with those kind of stats. Mm. That is just the forwards really, really, really um, stood up on um, in, in this in this game in a way that they haven't done. Uh, well, from what way the 
pretty much no team has done <laughs> for, a, for a very long time. To be able to control the breakdown that well, that you only have three turnovers, um, to be able to never or, or look after your ball that well, that you're just not knocking on the ball, that kind of clinic, clinicality, geez, I'm not sure that's even a word, um, is, um, is, is, is amazing. Um, so, yeah, this is a, uh, and the, 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 and what's really good, that's why mum calling me. Um, so how dare she? Um, what's really good about this, um, kind of thing is that, um, they really get two weeks to prepare for South Africa. Now, they've also got the prep they had from the rugby championship that they can use. Um, whereas if you think about, go back to the last rugby world cup where they arrived against England and, England spent, well, England spent all year aiming for that All Blacks game. And the All Blacks sort of turned up and said, what, what are we going to face? Pace? Oh, let's throw in a, oh, they've got a bit of a bad line out. We'll throw, we'll throw in a, um, a lock at six. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, came up and realised they were actually facing something totally different. I was woods, so surprised. Um, in fact, they've got two weeks now to prepare for South Africa. Because I think this has been, this is, this, this has been one of the key games um, for this Rugby World Cup, this one, the Ireland, uh, the, sorry, the, the France South Africa game, these two quarterfinals uh, have been have been key games to who wins this Rugby World Cup. Normally, that's your semi-final. That gives you, but it's this. They've all known about this, um, which means they can now um, look at some um, look, look 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 at the next series. Um, yeah, that's all right. Frizzell and Kane clean and kept the ball um, better than anyone. Um, Sam says, uh, I feel the Irish series in New Zealand was the start of the, the World Cup build-up, the players we played out of uh, position, um, etc. Um, yeah, we've not really seen um, the idea of uh, we should be uh, Topu Vai playing six, have we? That's uh, fine. Good. <laughs> that, that kind of discussion seems to have disappeared. Um, but, um, Although I'm pretty sure Scott Barrett went to six for a, a portion of that match uh, when what happened. I can't remember what happened, but... Um... Frizzell went off for Frizzell went off for Whitelock. So that was a change. So I can only presume that Barrett would have gone to six to leave Whitelock and Retallick in that second row together near the end of the game when Whitelock come on. Right, yep. So they're still going with um, that sort of thing. But yep. I mean the, the way the All Blacks played that game though was something that impressed me again. I've I've not seen it from them for a long time, probably years, is the way they actually dedicated numbers to the breakdown. They've normally been quite a standoffish side with breakdowns, which, which is frustrating because you don't get clean ball, you don't get security of the ball. Aaron Smith gets pumped all the time, and you know big guys bully him with big arms and tattoos. You know he's a poor little fella. You know getting grey hairs, man. That's how stressed out he is about it. Uh, but they really did protect the ball like rucks, bang. And I agree with that comment about how they were really attacking Sexton's runners, but they weren't attacking him them with just one guy. They were putting them down too, tactically. Wrapping up ball and leg, you know, that's the way they were shutting off offloads. And to the point that in their second half period, where Ireland really lost their whole structure of their game, and it was massively commented while we were watching their game about how this isn't how Ireland play. What are they doing? They, they look clueless. They're just throwing the ball out wide and hoping that Hanson or Lowe can do something, or Aki can do something spectacular. And then we saw players like Andrew Porter, such a good, strong, upper-body character that can stand in tackles and offload. Um... Tide Byrne, guys like that, Omani, that normally carry and offload and recycle so well, weren't. Like even even a phase where, where Andrew Porter got tackled round the legs, stood there with the ball, looked around, had his options, and just fell over himself. And to me, I was like, that 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 tells me a massive, massive story 
about where their game plan is and, and how they're actually mentally dealing with this situation, that they're not, their first thoughts are not to play that style, it, it's to just stop and recycle. And the other massive turning point in that game too, which we haven't mentioned yet, is the fact inside what that, that first 10 minutes when they went to the corner island, looking for a try, not taking the three. That, to me, you, you, you pinpointed that game turning point right there. And I think that that was a huge moment. So early and minimalistic, really. But again, Well, no, because they, they, they tried the same thing against South Africa um, and it didn't work and they got away with it. In the end. Yeah, but they didn't get away um, with this time. Didn't get away with this time, no. You got, you, you've not learned point. from your South Africa one that mm -hmm. actually you, you take your points when they're on offer. And then um, the All Blacks straight away, other, other side, not even with a slight hesitation, instantly to the sticks. Instantly. And I, I just thought straight away, I was like, mentality-wise, one team is locked in, the other team is still trying to play some, you know, let's try get a fast one. You know, just trying well, no, to be of, of getting up. I think that's the thing that, that, that is no. That they, Ireland were playing their game plan, which is to go to the corner every time. It wasn't going to work. Um, the uh, and, and so it didn't work against South Africa either. Uh, and mm. they, they should have, should have learned from that. Again, um, not right. The Jordy forearm was enough to keep them out. But really, <laughs> oh, look, all of these games were close, folks. Let's not be, let's not be. Um, yeah. It, um, it only took it, all these games. It only would take a moment for it to have changed the other way around um, for, for that. Um, but I mean, and also only three offloads by the All Blacks. Again, they decided they weren't going to risk the ball. And you know what the All Blacks did too when they went to ground. I noticed really stood out to me in that game was their placement. Man, it was good. As in, they go to ground and the stretch out placement was like so deep that it was so difficult for any of the Irish uh, cleaners to even. They couldn't get close to the ball. They'll get close to the tackled body, but they couldn't reach the ball far enough because their placement was so far out. And it was, it was I've never seen it quite that particular to be placing so far. And you get guys, you know, you get locks doing it. And of course, they've got arms, you know, <laughs> as long as, you know, um, a house. And then, poof, it's straight out. And for Aaron Smith, bang, ball right there. Doesn't need massive cleaning out and shifting of bodies because the ball placement is there. Your ruck's over the top of the body. It's right there. It was very, 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 very well established. And, and I know South Africa did it a little bit, but the All Blacks, boy, they were very good at it. Yeah, it's one of those things that um, those, sort of, those sort of details show you, okay, these are the clear things we must practice this game. And it's, and it's very yes. clear in all their heads. One of the, one of the things I, that um, someone mentioned uh, when Thomas Schmidt as the Ireland head coach was one of his strengths is he's very good at telling players, you do this and you will win. Now, they go out, they do it, and they win. And they trust him. Um, so it, if you end up with that kind of thing where, actually, look, he said, these are three things we have to concentrate on today. I remember doing a, um, a day in life uh, um, one where, uh, day in life, oh, sorry, week in life for every player um, article that I wrote years ago now. Jeez, I've been doing this for too long. Um, and one of the things the guy, that, um, the guy said was, he has a book. That uh, is a little, a little, a little book that he has there, pre-game, and he has his three things he's got to concentrate on that game. And by the sounds of it, one of those for the forwards in particular was ball placement at the ruck when he tackled all <laughs> for certain players. Um, but the fact that yeah, yeah, Schmidt's mails have gone bang. I'm, I'm guessing it's Schmidt here just purely because of what kind of rumours and stuff I've heard. Um, the uh, someone has gone. This is the these 
these are the three things that you guys have got to look at. And one of them has been that. Um, we've got to move on because we're running out of time. Um, <laughs> we're only halfway through. Um, Sam, are Argentina a threat? Yes, they are, but not as much of a threat as Ireland, let's be honest. Do we oh, rest yeah. players for the semi? Hell no. Hell no. <laughs> There are two more games that matter this year. You don't rest players at this stage. Jeez. No way. <laughs> Not unless they're leaguers and two pieces or an armors and two pieces, even then. You yeah, no resting players. Absolutely not. No, no kind of going, oh, you know what? We'll put Whitelock in and Barrett out to give them rest. No, no, you play your best team yeah. and you go and win the game. That's all that matters at this stage. Yeah, we'll put Ben um, Smith on the wing. We'll put Christian Cullen in centre. And Leon McDonald can play first five. Yeah, like that hasn't failed before. <laughs> oh, dearie me. So, England versus CG. Um, now, is this one where we go rinse and repeat and say, we'll, we'll talk about the game in the same way as we talked about Argentina versus Wales and England or Argentina and Fiji or Wales? Um, in the fact Fiji that... Yeah, Wales, look, yeah, yes. Again, it's um, it's goal kicking by Aaron Farrell that win the game. Now, look, I've seen a whole bunch of comments in our live chat and stuff about our oh, refereeing, yada yada yada. At the end of the day, um, we can either actually enjoy the rugby or we can just moan about refs for the next twenty, the next um, or for, for 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 show after show. And I just won't, I'm just not prepared to do that. Um, so um, the uh, yes, fine. Should Aaron Farrell have been yellow carded? Uh, maybe because they say, Oh, was it the same thing as Aaron Smith? Uh, look, I don't know. They gave the reason at the time as to why, um, which there wasn't apparently a the, 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 the player outside was too flat, or in fact, or even in front of the player, so it couldn't take a pass, whatever. Um, nah. the um, but um, the is 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 that really where this game was decided? I'm uh, I don't think uh, it, it it was decided by that because it was right at the end of the match, right? I, I think okay. it, the the Farrell one was minutes remaining. They're behind by six. Um, if you want to be really pedantic about the ref, I thought the, the Tom Curry tackle was worse. Uh, the no arms grass cutter took him out of the knees, flipped the guy over, landed on his head. It was just a penalty. Uh, that, that that's that, I I hate those tackles. Absolutely hate those. He pretty much just boxed himself down on the floor. And a guy running at full steam flips over, lands on his head. I mean, we, we want to knock out the head stuff. How's that different to a tip tackle? Um, that That's all I kind of have of that. The guy still lands on his head. And it's uh, yeah, that was no a tackle. No, a, a tip tackle. Where you, where, 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 yeah, uh, that, that was a grass cutter. Different to a tip tackle where you, you no, lift someone up and you pile drive them. Also, with tip tackle, you're being helped down, generally these days. Anyway, they try and not just dump you straight on your head as well. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, I hate those tackles. I find them. To, I find them horrible. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, knee, I'm, I'm, knees don't I, go I, that way, I'd, right? <laughs> I'd be, I'd be, yeah, I'd be happy to see that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I thought that was worse. The, the problem with the Farrell one for me, it's it's not the, it's not the um, intentional knock on ruling. It's the fact that Aerosmith got a yellow, which whatever, that's fine. It's not because he's New Zealand, whatever. He got a yellow. Okay, that that's your benchmark, right? Farrell got a penalty. Very similar thing. I mean, the whole player thing, I I don't buy that whatsoever. And then next game, even if it's a Beth done it even worse than the other two, his was a shocker. There was no chance he was getting even his big mitts near at all. And it was nothing. And you just kind of watch the three. And the, the frustrating thing is it's like three instances, pretty similar. It's Beth was probably the worst, got the least punishment. So I don't care what the ruling is. Is this consistency? 
And yep. when you see something like that, we should be able to, as viewers, watch it and go, that's a penalty. That's a yellow card. Don't worry about it. It's fine. No, I don't care what way it is with the intentional knock-on because it's one of those things that's dumb. It's bad, but it's not bad. It's silly. But let's let's get a ruling, you know, and consistently referee that ruling. Um, and and I, the other thing I hate about the referee's ruling on that is with that player thing, they're ruling on a hypothetical future instance that hasn't happened. How, how can you do that? Let, let's rule on what's happened, okay? The player has intentionally knocked the ball on from a pass, going this way, whatever, to this player, blah, blah, blah. What happens after that, or potentially happens after that, is completely irrelevant. Unless it's a two-on-one overlap and the guy is certainly going to score provided he catches it. That I can kind of understand. But that, that old Farrell one, it's like the player was too far. No, 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 you, you, can't, you, you, can't, you can't hypothetically sort of pick that. So I don't like that either, but it's, it's the consistency. If, if, if Smith is a yellow card, that's cool. I'm no, no problem with it. But let's make it all a, a, a ground cover ruling, right? That, that's, that's my problem. Yep. Um, and look, this one was a, uh, I think it was a scoreboard pressure one for most of the game is that, yeah, that, that um, England got themselves out into a lead. Um, Fiji were chasing it. Now, just before they come back into this game, um, they, 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 the, the Fijian players start to lose it when could I, they drag um, Curry away from a, from, a, from a ruck. He gets up and is pushing and shoving and uh, hands and faces. Um, now, were they deliberately things in faces are uh, look at um i'm not going to say that uh, uh yeah i don't think they i don't think anything there warranted a, red, a, a card or anything more than more than what was there but actually what happened in a good way for for um for fiji at that point i think is the referee called them in and calmed things down because fiji were losing their head at that point uh in, in my opinion um and uh, i think england would be more than happy to have said yeah play on quick let's 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 wind them up a bit more please because we because Yes, once Fiji of old would have been would have been totally off the uh, totally off at that point, and we'd have ended up with sort of high shots and fists, and uh, they would have they would they would have crumbled at that point. But they didn't. They got they calmed down. They took a breath, um, and um, uh, and and I was impressed actually that they got themselves back. That managed to managed to sort of get themselves back into their game plan, and um, and score two tries um, from uh, from memory. Yep. Score two tries to, to even up the game because I thought at that point England were going to run away with it because yeah I, I just couldn't see Fiji actually being able to execute their game plan at that point I think I thought that the, the red miss would descend. I found the substitutes made quite a big impact as well, especially the forward substitutes um, because the Fijians were very static in their ball carries when they did get the ball they kind of would receive the ball flat footed and and it just they just didn't get that momentum they were losing. You know, 20 meters over six phases and they just didn't seem to have that yep they're little fisty cuffs they got a little bit of anger out of their system reserves come in with fresh thoughts and and you know orders from the coaching staff obviously the traffic lights were probably going um somewhere else he would have been in the stands who knows uh, but it gave them a little bit more forward momentum and they started getting over that game line and then you know a couple of phases we going forward a little bit of confidence comes in you get half a wee line break you know you start to get them on the back foot it, it changes so quickly uh, and you just can't write teams off. I found over this, these quarterfinals, especially, fans are writing their team off very early. Uh, it's crazy. Our, Irish fans, South African fans, our French fans, especially when a game is so close, less than seven, man, they have been going, that we're done. We're off. We're done. We can't win this now. And so, dude, there's 25 minutes to go. There's 20 minutes to go. And they throw on the towel, um, which is, uh, is amazing. 
Um, so the Fijians to stick at that just shows, you know, two tries so quickly. England went under pressure. I like, hey, Farrell played well, right? I don't think he was man of the match. I found that quite horrific. Uh, but that drop goal, <laughs> timely. Fiji weren't prepared for that whatsoever, were they? They were like watching, what's he do? Oh, crap. That's going, you know, and they're like, oh, dear. Um, but for me, Ben Earl, fantastic. Uh, yeah. Absolutely amazing player. Uh, so, yeah, number of guys. But, yeah, Fiji show that if they could play 80 minutes, they would have won that game by 30 points. Uh, but they only play 20 minutes. Uh, they look fantastic when they do it. And uh, hopefully... They get some more fresh blood to that team because there's a lot of talk about guys like Raraja, uh, 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 Botia, um, Naisalivu, all those sort of big names of their team having their last World Cup tournament this year. So be a shame, but uh, we can look for some fresh blood for the Fijians in the future with a, you know, a bit of confidence about the history that that team's done over recent times. And, look, and also confidence about the fact that the, the, with the Fijian Drua, uh, or the Andrua, um sorry, there, there's actually a pathway now for to, to bring some of those players through, um, which there hasn't been in the past. Um, it's been through some dubious um, <laughs> French academy system, um, which you kind of like, how the hell does that happen? Um, so, look, there's there's actually a path now, pathway now for Fiji to, to build a team towards the next Rugby World Cup, which is good. Will they get the games? Well, look, let's hope rugby we can. The Rugby Championship expands and includes Japan and Fiji. That would be good. Um, but um, but yeah, I'm I'm not going to hold my breath on that one because I'll probably be dead by the time it actually gets announced. Um, so um, so look, that, that, that's what we need from this Rugby World Cup is 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 that for uh, is to give that pathway for for Japan and um, Fiji. And you can say, look, oh, that leaves Samoa and Tonga out in the cold. Well, let's have some promotion relegation way then that they can come and have a go. Um, but um, the uh, yeah, but that that kind of thing. Uh, Fiji need a proper three test series against a tier one side. Oh, geez, that's not going to happen. I'm sorry, but um, yeah, you do, you um, to if you're going to send a because let's be honest here, the top three teams are going to go to South Africa, Australia, and uh, New Zealand. Um, Argentina then gets a two test series, so you're looking at basically either Italy, um, or um, or Scotland or Wales, depending which ones at the bottom that year, um, going out. And if they go to if they go to Fiji. They're going to go and um, stop off at Tonga and Samoa. Why, why would you not? I mean, you, you, you can't leave the other two islands out of it. Um, so I, I don't see how you can give uh, Fiji a three-tier, a three-test a three, a three tour against, um, uh, say, against uh, against against a tier one team. No, it, it doesn't. It's just not a. It's not practical, unfortunately, um, with the numbers of teams there are. Um, you can do potentially on a, a Lions year where you get a weakened tier one team. From an England or a, or, a, or or an Ireland um, is a possibility, but um, yeah, that requires imaginative thinking, which we just don't get from um, World Rugby, do we? Um, so, um, <laughs> Augustine Pichot, Mr. Pichot. <laughs> oh, if only, if only he had <laughs> won that bloody election. Um, anyway, um, I've got no idea what I was going with next for this one, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, look, England did it um, again. again uh, do I see the same green shoots or the light at the end of the tunnel that I see with, um, or, or, or kind of semi-clarity with Wales that I do with England? No, not to the same extent. Um, you're going to have your players like your Farrells and Fords retiring at the end of this, and you, you could Courtney Laws, um, as you um, as you say about experience here. There's a lot of experience leaving this England team after this Rugby World Cup. 
Um, sure, your Dan Bigger is leaving Wales, but you can see who's replacing him. And you can say, oh, Paul, but yeah, we know Marcus Smith is replacing um, Owen Farrell. Yeah. England don't do very well with a, with a scrum, with, with a fly half like that, do they? Let's be honest. Stuart Barnes, yeah, no, we didn't like him either. Um, so, uh, I'll... Um, uh, uh, um, Danny Cipriani, yeah, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't like these these guys who have who have who have kind of mercurial thoughts and and, uh, and, and do things. No, kick that damn ball. Time. He had a <laughs> time too, didn't he, Marcus Smith? Boy, oh boy, he got absolutely smoked. He had blood. I mean, I think he went through three jerseys by the end of that game. Yeah. He was that cut. Co- I mean, he was the red rose of England, and he was crying. Uh, it was. I, I kind of felt sorry for him in the end. He was really. Out of anyone, like commitment wise, he was right up there for a little guy. He was tasting some big Fijian bodies, man, and they were having no remorse on him. Uh, but credit to him, he stuck at it, right? Bloody absolutely. <laughs> Should he be allowed to stick at it with that many bumps to the head and blood everywhere? <laughs> no, probably not. But hey, who <laughs> cares about player safety? I mean, geez. Um, Marks is a 15. Well, we'll see. Um, they <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not. Um, uh, look, he plays ten for for Harlequins, and um, I think that's where we'll see. But um, anyway, we'll see. We'll, 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 we'll see. Anyway, I, I, I'm, I don't think there's a clarity there with Borthwick and with England that there is with Wales. Uh, but hey, I'm just enjoying the fact we got this far. Hey, we've got two more games. We've got two more games. We're going to lose one of them at least, probably both. But hey. <laughs> Well, I know England Wales could go either way. Let's be blunt here, all right? Uh, sorry, England Argentina could That's go either way. Yeah. Um, again, um, sorry. Well, they've already played, remember? Again, well, again, yes, it's true. You see, England are so much better than Argentina. They thrashed them the first time round. <laughs> yeah, but they won't play George Ford twice. I can guarantee you that. <laughs> no, maybe they will <laughs> in that bronze final. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll rest Farrell because he's he'll, he'll probably be suspended by that stage. To be fair, even please. I mean, let's be honest. Like that, in, in some ways, that's, England are at this stage because he got suspended. In some ways, yes. Um, it's, uh, yeah, you could argue actually. Yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, his suspension has actually helped England, and him coming back has, has hurt them. But anyway, let's not go down that one. Um, no. Another another week. <laughs> France versus Argentina. Then, um, boy, oh boy, one point in this one. Um, so South I, Africa. And um, sorry, South Africa. Not Argentina. That's all right. France, South Africa. Sorry, are you both of them with A? Well, they kind of do. <laughs> at some point in the in the Africa, in in the um, in the. Dude, I'll be so here France... three thirty. Come on, that's my excuse to be tired. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing the election this weekend, and uh, yeah, I'm running a voting place and count and doing that count that you all um, you all heard about late on Saturday. Um, yeah, that was. Nope. Um... No, you didn't. You didn't bother. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I mean, if anything, I'd be interested in election stuff. Is like it's underneath just conversations about dirt. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, I'm not major politics either, but hey, um, I do understand that you do at some points have to um, acknowledge that, uh, that there's this thing called a parliament and shit. Anyway, South Africa um, and France. Anyway, yeah, I've got paper <laughs> to be in the election, which is more important. South Africa versus France. Then. Um. Wow, 43 tackles missed by South Africa. Now, John keeps telling us in the live chat that actually this is a uh, this is part of the game plan for South Africa is to miss tackles and then uh, uh, but just to disrupt the play. Um, and to a certain degree, yes, but that's a hell of a lot of tackles to miss um, at the end of the day. But what happened to the French scrum? That fell to pieces, got demolished. 
Mm. Oxenshade come in and just pummeled them to pieces. There was, was a gameplay. South Africa is smart. Let, let's not beat around the bush about this. They are a step ahead of everyone else when it comes to tactics, game plans, HIA substitutions. Poor, I tell you what, they were on fire with HIA substitutions in this game. I think we had um, Vermula went off, HIA, come back on for Peter Steph to toy to go off for an HIA, who come back on for Quagga Smith to go on for an HIA, who come back on for Peter Steph to toy to go back off. Uh, there was about a four-player rotation over about 20, 25 minutes of HIA sub. So it was very, very talented. Um, I love what they're doing there, South Africa. But yeah, they've got a plan. Um, well, okay, no, I, I respect what they're doing. I don't necessarily love what they're doing, but I respect what they're doing. They, they're innovative, right? That's what I mean. Oh, yeah, true. It's like, Look, I'm, there's I'm nothing taking, wrong. I'm taking the crap out of them, 100%. Right, there's there's, there's yeah, nothing yeah, wrong, okay, with a 7-1 bench, right? But the only thing it does show you is we have about three players extra on the bench we need. Clearly, if you, have, if, you, if you can only have one back, we can definitely get rid of a couple, a couple of that. The bench does not need to be seven players; it only needs to be about five. Um, let's get rid of get rid of a, a few a few substitutions, in my opinion. But there you go. Um, but yeah, this this game, the, what I found from this game, the the, the pack are very very good. But from as we're looking at this, as South Africa is, you know, public enemy, possibly finalist number one, right? Uh, oh, definitely, they're definitely going to be finalists. How? Do you target that scrum half area, I think, of an area of strength become a very distinguished area of weakness when Kulis Reinach went off uh, midway through that second half and Fafta Clark come on and it turned to an absolute shambles for about 20 minutes. Disjointed, they, they lost all the structure. Uh, things changed big time with Faf in there, uh, which was I found very interesting because I thought they would pick up the pace, but they, they lost a lot of impact in that. Uh, but the Springboks are good. They've got they've got that structure, right? They, they've got that game plan. Uh, Libok just makes that team purr in a back line. Don't talk about his kicking, but I bet you Chesson Colby and Curly Odinson, they're happy until Andre Pollard starts warming up, and then they just go and find a pillow and, and crouch up somewhere and go to sleep. But it's a game plan, right? Get ahead, strike. Uh, and that game was fun. A tries after four minutes, a, a try back, seven, sevens, five, five. The, the uh, charge down kick. I mean, let's talk about distinctive moments of the game. Uh, that charge down kick, again, it's just like Sexton going to the corner. Chisholm uh, Colby scooting out there and charging down that Thomas Ramos uh, conversion was very, 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 very pivotal. Uh, so a lot of points in that match. But I don't, I don't think this was as clean as a game as the All Blacks versus Ireland. Um, that that was very much a, a arm wrestle. This This was pretty much score as many points as you can as quickly as you can in 60 minutes then shut up shop and hope that you got the lead <laughs> and then shut up shop <laughs> oh dear the um the, yes even uh and Chesson colby then also um trying to drop goal at the end as well um nice. a, a player of a player of all skills um the uh oh well actually he missed a drop goal so not all skills but um but there you go um it's funny, isn't it, that um, South Africa probably have the for, for for a team that has the biggest forwards, they also have the smallest wingers um, in this uh, in in uh, 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 as well. Um, Name a big South African winger of history, like you know, like a a a, a, um, a, a Savia, Julian Savia, sort of you know, big a, a winger that's there more for their power and pace than just their pace. I guess Mapimpi maybe fall in that category, but. If you look traditionally, the you know the all-star wingers and Habanas and guys like that are just fast. They just love pace. Guys that can just absolutely scorch it. Um, but yeah, so it, it kind of goes with their history, right? And 
again, a can of Moody waiting in the wings, another small guy. Um, yeah, Mpimpi, probably be the, the king, though. The injury king. He's gone now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, do have under murder springs to mind um, as a. Uh... That was successful, wasn't it? In blue, and that, 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 all that does is further my point. <laughs> he was too big; they didn't want him. He's like, nah, you can't be a winger in South Africa, mate. You're way too big. Oh <laughs> uh, dear. Um, so yeah, no. Look, I mean, France six percent possession, sixty three percent territory. Um, as uh, sorry, I say, pressing South African defence won the game. Absolutely, yeah. This was about defence. Um, that uh, and and even with those as those those missed tries, um, it was um, sorry, missed tackles, not missed tries. Um, it was yeah. Uh, but at the end of the day, as you say, we're talking about a one point game here, and you've got and you've got to charge down conversion. <laughs> That's this is a this really is a, a thing of moments. Um, this game uh, and um, and the, uh, the the closest game from the weekend. But as we, as as already mentioned, three of these games were one score games and could have flipped very very easily. Um, so um, yeah, well done South Africa. But um, boy oh boy, I'm not sure they played that much rugby in this one. Um, mm. France ran it for more, but yeah, France 156 passes, 154 runs. Um, South Africa 82 passes, 80 runs. Um, so yeah, but about half as many passes and half as many runs from South Africa um, as France. Um, yeah, playing rugby isn't always necessarily a good thing. The big thing I took that from from that first half, especially, is a couple of high balls down to Ramos and his his, his buddies of Pinot and and Bale Bali oh, yeah. or Bari, um, really worked well for them in that first half. They they messed up a lot. Their odds to try was from the high ball, but man, they were messy. They were finding ground. A high ball hit them on the back as it came down. You're like, you you're in, yeah, you, yes. you're, going, you're, in, you're, in, you're in, how do you do that? I mean, that was, yeah, um, they totally, yeah, France could not handle high ball, which is just amazing. Um, and that was, um, some, some of those kicks you're looking at going, geez, he's kicking that cross field very flat, practically going, I mean, that's hardly going forwards at all. And you're like, geez, that's, <laughs> that's a real speculative kind of, that, 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 that's an old school Gary Owen kind of into, into the 22 style. Let's just thump it up and sit in a crowd of players underneath a bit of a Hail Mary across field. Bloody hell, that's a weird tactic. But clearly, Safka spotted that the French wingers just couldn't cope with high balls. And yeah, and they adapted well too, like the South Africans. After those first few, they competed. But you did notice pretty much after that try that Odins had scored, they would actually run in and would pretty much circle the man jumping. You have three or four guys, one, one past the guy, uh, and one kind of just parallel to him and one in front of him kind of thing, just to cover bases because they knew there was a, a good chance that he was going to mess it up. He was going to hit his shoulder, hit his back, or he was going to spill it or completely miss it, and then the, the bounce could go anywhere. They were preparing for the possibilities that this ball was just... But but also, in, what, what one of the tactics that France clearly had is, I'm not going to try and kick it, I'm trying to try and catch it. I'm going to try and knock it back to one of my players. Mm-hmm. And because... South Africa spotted that. They say, you say, they had a player there to pick it up. Now it's a bit like um, uh, Millwall, old, old old school days of football, where they'd have have played play long ball. They'd, they'd, they'd kick the ball long, and they wouldn't bother trying to head it themselves. They they would they would they would contest the header, but what they really were doing was was, was trying to just disrupt the um, defender heading it, and then pick up the ball after he'd done that. Um, 
And that's, yeah, to a certain degree, that's what you had to hear from South Africa. Yeah, let's put it up. We know he's not actually very good at claiming it, so he's going to try something else to get himself out of trouble here. And we're going to we're, and we're going to pick that up, and off we go. Um, yeah, wow. I mean, for, for a player that um, I think, I mean, Ramos, kind of one of the key players and one of the sort of players of the tournament kind of things for France, uh, to be out to be kind of um, uh, what's uh, sort of targeted like this was a, was is is shocking. Um, but yeah, I mean, well done for spotting it, and well done for exit, well, great in the execution as well. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Ramos is normally at the safest houses under those high balls, right? It's a, it's a, a part and parcel of his game. It's why he's the starting fullback. It's why he's in that position. He diffuses that stuff so well. They did, they cleaned up well in the second half. I think South Africa come out and tried to just carry on. It didn't work so much. They kind of tied it up and, and mm. went back to, to plan A sort of thing. But so much damage had been done, right? The French were really on fire early. Uh, at scoring tries, just couldn't quite finish themselves back defensively uh, to back up their scores without conceding again themselves, which made that to and fro scoreline where they'd be up seven, tied up, up seven, tied up. Uh, I'll tell you, exciting, man. Good mm. God, it was exciting. Uh, incredible rugby, high pace, exciting. Um, very few, like, really slowed down periods of that first half, especially. that 40 minutes went by in about, you know, six minutes, it felt like. It was... So fast and electric. It was fun to watch. There was points scoring being scored. Uh, there was massive moments of the game. And from a, a viewer perspective, uh, by far the, the most absorbing game for a viewer to watch, uh, tuning into the World Cup, not knowing rugby, or you know, just, just seeing the game, uh, that caught eyes, that game for sure. And it really got people excited. And it was the highest scoring game um 57 yeah wasn't yeah. it yeah so the highest scoring game as well yeah um of the uh of the Red Bull Cup. so yes so now we have only six six penalties each so again another point of it the whistle the whistle was put away and hence a a, a fun game to watch um it's so yeah whistle before we move on about the whistles it's not a criticism of all but um hmm. how many referees we got left now that we've lost um car uh, the South African guy that, that injured his calf in the uh, Argentina game, Wales game. Um, Yaka Piper, yes. Yep. <laughs> he he uh, ripped himself up, hobbled his way off, substitute referee. Um, and uh, yeah, didn't make too much of an impact, thankfully. But injuries, more injuries for referees didn't than make the Wales. After that is where Wales lost the game. Now, Which is good. <laughs> whether that's deliberate or whether whether, whether, the, whether that's because of the referee change or not is is, is a different matter. But uh, um, but honestly, it was a, I, I, at least coincidental. I, I pinpointed that at the time, uh, watching that game. It's like a different start. You know, you, you kind of warm into a game. What was it? Twenty minutes or so into the game, it was fairly early, and you look at it and go, now everyone has to readjust and start again with the way that things are officiated. You know, everyone does it differently. How's this going to affect the game? penalties two or three penalties nine points is, is a lot when you're already you know a third of the way through the match uh but uh, i don't think it was too bad he, he kind of um come in and blended in well enough it can't be too critical no more critical referees come on no no don't be critical at all but yeah but so uh, yeah but we mean you mean the referee changed when uh when wales were 10 nil up True. <laughs> yeah i didn't think about it that way uh, <laughs> Uh, the Argentina will probably want to get him for that semi if they can. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, no, no, forget the semi. Get, get them for the third, fourth playoff. No, they're, they're not going to win the semi. So go for the game you're actually going to win. Uh, or you're in, you're in for. Oh, dear. But um, there we go. Um, so, yeah, there you go, folks. Uh, uh, the cracking set of uh, quarterfinals, the best set of quarterfinals, or the closest set of quarterfinals, at least, if not the best set of quarterfinals we've ever had at Rugby World Cup. Um, next weekend, uh, yeah, it's not going to be quite the same. Um, but um, uh, we will not have the closest quarter. Uh, close, I don't think we'll be having the quarter semi closest semi-finals we've ever had. Um, but I will. Uh, I'll keep an eye on that, and uh, we'll talk about that next week. So, uh, thank you very much for joining me, Steve. Um, and um, again, we came into the World Cup thinking, hey, you know what? We might have a new winner, but we're not going to. We're clearly going to have either South Africa or, or New Zealand, who have both won it lots of times before. We're not going to have a France or, or an Ireland for the first Come time on, ever Argentina. winning it. Come on, Come on Argentina. <laughs> yes, the, the Pumas, the only team left that haven't won the World Cup in the semi-finals. Um, maybe, hey, just, just maybe, remember, it ain't going to happen. There's no chance. Parting comment, no chance. A, a parting comment. Just remember that the shift of rugby is moving to the Northern Hemisphere. Crock of that. <laughs> well, Final we will see. Um, so thank you, everybody, and uh, stay safe, and uh, catch you next Monday. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 